everyone. It's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society, and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories. So thank you for tuning in today. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing well, I can really only call it the Cam Hayden experience with <laughs> none other than Cam Hayden from CKUA. How are you today? I'm very well, Leanne. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, you know, we have uh, been friends since this started. I've had the privilege of meeting so many of you wonderful media ambassadors in our city and in the province. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who Cam Hayden is? I mean, aside from Blues Guru? <laughs> well, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, uh, I had the opportunity. I grew up in Alberta. Uh, I did my high school and some uh, university in Calgary and the rest of the time I lived in Edmonton. Uh, and I, uh, took up motorcycling while I was in high school and, uh, that has stuck with me through all of the years and all of the trials and tribulations. And, uh, I love it. And, uh, probably the two big loves in my life uh, outside of my uh, romantic uh, loves is, uh, and I guess there's some romanticism involved with motorcycling. Of course there is, but uh, it's radio and motorcycles. And you are on CKUA and famous for the Friday night blues, right? Right. Uh, I started there as a full-time staff announcer in 1978 and I uh, was full-time there doing all kinds of programs. I was the morning man for a while. I did nights, I did weekends, I did all kinds of programming. And uh, in 2001, I became a contractor, uh, focusing exclusively on the Friday night show and uh, spending more time uh, devoting uh, to, my, uh, to my blues festival, the Edmonton Blues Festival, which uh, I started in 1999 and is still going strong. Yeah, you get some amazing artists to come out for that. And uh, blues is something that is often tied to certain demographics of the motorcycle community. So that all goes together really well. Like a fart in a mitt, as they say. (laughs) Nice. Okay, so you dated yourself, uh, 1978. Good Lord. Um, What was your first motorcycle? Well, um, I have a hard time saying exactly because I had some very tolerant friends when I was in high school that would, would loan me their little bikes to, to sort of learn on and fall over on and then pick them up and try and straighten out the handlebars and give it back to them. And uh, so I, I rode a lot of, uh, um, let me see, uh, CB100 Hondas. Uh, twin jet Yamaha 100s, uh, 125 CB Hondas. I rode a lot of those bikes in high school, uh, learned on them. But but the first motorcycle that I actually purchased was a 1968 650 BSA Lightning. <gasps> that and has my heart. <laughs> I pushed that motorcycle around Calgary all over the place. I actually rode it every now and then. Uh, it was, uh, it was, I think it was probably a very bad choice for a first motorcycle to own. I had absolutely no idea, um, mechanically of what I was doing with it. Uh, amyl carburetors absolutely baffled me. Uh, the whole idea of, uh, the Lucas electrical system was beyond my capabilities. And, uh, I, after about a year of that motorcycle, I, uh, I actually purchased it uh, on a layaway plan through Walt Healy Motorcycles in Calgary. Uh, old Walt was a very famous character 
motorcycling in Calgary. He rode well into his 80s. And uh, Walt said, you know what, I'll give you what you paid for the BSA if you want to trade it in on a new 650 Yamaha, which is what I did in 1974. And uh, that bike got a lot of mileage. I, I rode that bike all over the place and had a great time with it. And since then, I've had anywhere from three to five motorcycles in my garage. And I, I sort of, they sort of seem to come and go, but I usually have uh, a touring motorcycle, a fun around town motorcycle, and one I call the time machine. Right now, my time machine is a 1971 Norton Commando 750, oh. which oh, I ride around me. every now you're, and then. You're, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, uh, my fun bike uh, for around town is a, uh, is a motorcycle I bought new, but is hardly new anymore. Uh, I bought it in 1990. I've got over 400,000 K on it. And it's a, uh, 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 a Harley Davidson FXRS, which is the narrow glide, but, uh, I absolutely wore out the motor and I've now put a, uh, an Ultima 103 cubic inch motor in this tiny frame. And, uh, over the years have redone most everything on this motorcycle. Uh, it is a little torque monster. And, uh, then there's, uh, then there's the road bike for going on the long trips. Uh, I've got a road King, which is, uh, kind of a plain Jane road King, but it's perfectly suitable for traveling all over North America. So, so just to be fair, uh, because you know, I'm a obviously a British motorcycle fanatic. No, you're kidding. <laughs> BSAs, Norton's Triumphs, you know, even Enfields will throw them in there. Lucas Electrics, that's a, a, from my my small circle of Triumph riding friends. That's a, a lot of swear words come with that too. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we get it. But I mean, come on. you. So you barely put any miles on in a year, hey? 400,000 on one and... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's been a little tough with the pandemic crossing borders and stuff like that, but, um, uh, I, I put, uh, I, yeah, I put on a few kilometers every year. I mean, uh, that's what I do. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm an enthusiast. I love to ride motorcycles. I ride long distance. I ride around town. I go for Sunday rides. Of course that doesn't preclude going for a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday ride. Um, I'm in an, the enviable position of not having to restrict my riding to weekends because um, I'm a contractor and I do my my work on uh, at any time I want to really. So I can free up an afternoon if it's a nice sunny afternoon to go for a ride at any time. What has been your favorite part of riding? What has it brought to your life? I like to say that riding can be a meditative experience for me, especially long highway rides. There's nothing quite like getting on a beautiful piece of highway and just being one with the machine, enjoying the scenery. All your concentration is on what you're doing, how you're riding. It really frees your mind in a, in a strange sort of way and brings me to a state of peace and tranquility that um, is, is really quite unbelievable. And there's some highways that are better than others for that. Of course, you don't want to do that on highway two. Uh, you have to have all your spidey senses on full tingle. Um, but um, there's a few that I've been on that have been absolutely incredible. One that goes from Nashville, Tennessee to Vicksburg, Mississippi. It's called the Natchez Trace. And it follows the original indigenous highway 
there are absolutely, uh, there are no businesses on this highway. If you want to buy gas, you have to leave the highway. If you want to go to a convenience store, you have to leave the highway. There is nothing on this highway and it's two beautiful blacktop lanes. And it sort of follows the Natchez river from Nashville through to Vicksburg. It's an unbelievable piece of road. And for a motorcyclist, it's incredible. They do not allow, um, any kind of truck traffic. Uh, there's no semis, there's no truck traffic on this highway. Uh, they won't even allow uh, large trailers on this highway. It's, uh, it's really an amazing piece of road. That sounds lovely. And somewhere that I need to add to my bucket list. Do you have any other like favorite places that you've been? Well, I think uh, for Exotica, uh, I actually had the opportunity to go to Australia a few years ago, and um, I was uh, sort of there on a music exploration trip, and I was I was with uh, some friends of mine who were performers. I was acting as the roadie, and I was getting driven around and, you know, hauling guitar cases and amps and stuff like that, uh, and at the same time, enjoying the countryside, and we were traveling around in their, in their 4 by 4 and we stopped... Uh, near uh near melbourne uh, in a little town and the keyboard player for the band had a motorcycle that he loaned me uh yamaha xv920 or something it was a yamaha twin 900 cc displacement and i had the opportunity to ride the great ocean road between uh, melbourne and perth and uh, i only went about 300 kilometers up the highway uh, i did a day trip a couple of day trips actually it was the most uh, incredible uh, riding experience ever. I mean, you're riding on the wrong side of the road for starters, made traffic circles a little challenging. Uh, but uh, uh, other than that, um, the scenery was incredible. And it's just the whole exotic thing of riding your motorcycle in, a, in an area where you could see a kangaroo one minute and a, and a koala bear the next and the oceans on your left. And, you know, the land is on your right. It's somewhat like being on the, uh, uh, on the 101 uh, that goes up the west coast of North America, but uh, it was really an incredible experience. That sounds amazing. Australia is on my list of places to visit, uh, mostly because they do some land speed racing out there as well. They, <laughs> oh, have, they, a, they have a salt lake out there to, to race on, so that's on the bucket list, and it just sounds amazing. You have been involved with us since the beginning, um, and CKUA has actually, uh, everybody knows we have stuff we put out on the radio, but with CKUA, you take the script and voice them for that station, um, typically, and keeps it all kind of home for CKUA's brand. Why is it important for you to be involved with what AMSS is doing? Well, here's the thing, Leanne, and I know that you know this. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter how right you are on a motorcycle. If you're, in an, if you're in an argument with a car, you lose. And what's really important, what I've learned over the years, um, is that it has to be a collaborative journey towards safety on behalf of both the motorcyclist and the automobile drivers out there and car drivers and truck drivers and anyone else who's on four wheels or better. Um, and that is, it's, it's important that we all are cognizant of each other on the road. It helps us all survive the drive. And really, you know, I've been run over a bunch of times. Uh, so I have a little personal state stake in this. And that is the one thing I learned after being run over a bunch of times. Um, I was, I mean, 
Legally, I was not at fault in any of these occasions, but uh, physically I lost every time. So it's important that people who ride motorcycles understand that um, they have no more right to the road than anyone else. They have no more um, they have no more privilege to act as they would like to act on the road than anyone else. And really, if we all cooperate out there, it can be an enjoyable experience for everybody. Absolutely. And that's that's why our messaging is directed at all road users and not just car drivers or not just motorcyclists. Like we all have that responsibility because traffic safety starts with the individual. Uh, you touched on a bit about how you've been, you put it so eloquently, run over a few times. Um, do you do you mind if we kind of get into what kind of happened and maybe it we've could only be got some... 20 minutes Leanne. I could go on for hours <laughs> can, can, can we do some Coles notes and maybe it might help some some lessons for other people to watch out for that might okay, help them avoid well, your I'm scenarios I'm going to start off with uh, the one that tells us all that we need to wear the proper gear when we ride oh that's a good one I was um, I was playing for the radio station softball team and I uh, had gone to a softball game uh, and I decided, well, I'm not going to get all dressed up. I have to go to a field somewhere. So I, I wore my, uh, my, my, you know, my baseball uniform, basically one of those mesh uh, shirts and it was a warm day. I wore, so I was wearing sneakers and I was wearing short pants mm-hmm. and I rode to the game on the way home from the game. Uh, I was uh, basically squeezed onto a median by someone who changed lanes right into me. Um, and there was a kid, 16 year old kid. He had the car stereo cranked up. I was actually pounding on his car and he didn't hear me as he was, as he ran me onto the, uh, median, I had to, uh, jump off the bike. There was nowhere else for me to go. I skidded down the median and there's a lot of gravel on that median for about, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet. Um, I've had broken bones, kind of a few of them actually, this road rash hurt more than any of the broken bones I've had. And I got to tell you, it's not to be taken lightly. And um, I will say this, they looked after me pretty well in the hospital. I got hauled away in an ambulance, Um, but they did seem to take some pleasure as they took the Brillo pad to my leg to pull the uh, little bits of gravel out of it. Uh, And uh, you know, the old, well, you're a big, tough biker, are you? And uh, that sort of thing. And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. Just sort of patch me up and get me out of here. So I'm going to say, first and foremost, dress for the occasion. Nothing's going to help you more if you get into a scrape or are about to be scraped than be wearing the proper stuff, uh, like wearing steel toe, real boots, have your gloves on, your proper helmet on, a jacket, whatever it is. It's way easier to get over being hot and sweaty than it is to get over being scraped and raw. And gear has come a long way where you can buy gear that can be multi-seasonal, multi-weather, like with all the events and stuff you can get now. Exactly. you know, it's uh, we've done some podcasts about that and, and did a whole thing about gear on our campaign launch last year. Um, there's really no excuse. And to hear stories from people who have survived, you know, and what has what has stayed with you since your collisions? Um, never trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the, the road. Let's be specific. Never on the trust road. anyone on the road. Um, I 
the last serious bike accident I was in, uh, I got hit by someone who turned left in, in front of me. And that's a real common motorcycle accident. Uh, and just to give you a synopsis of what happened, I was on my way home from a Sunday ride, uh, approaching an intersection. I saw a fellow waiting to turn left in front of me. I looked him in the eye, honest to God, I looked him in the eye. He saw me, I saw him. I took my eyes off him for a second to check the left and right as I was entering the intersection. I looked back in front of me and he was six inches off my left shin. And I took a Chevy to the shin that day. And uh, you know what he told the police at the scene of the accident was, well, you know, I saw that guy on the bike, but I figured I could make it. So I booted it. And uh, I, you know, and I heard that out of the corner of my ear as they were loading me onto the ambulance. Uh, I almost lost my leg that day. I still have it. Uh, thank God. And uh, uh, I will say this now, don't trust anyone. You know, even if you make eye contact with them, even if you think you're doing all the right things and they are cognizant of your present presence, uh, they may not understand. They may not get the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The perspective of uh, how fast you may get, be going or how close you may be because they're not used to looking at a motorcycle. They're used to looking at another car or a truck or something like that. And they may totally misjudge uh, where you are actually situated on the road. Well, and there's uh, that, that brings me to that story that a former uh, media friend of all of ours, uh, Bruce Bowie, used to talk about the story on his morning show on Ched about a police officer that held up a pen and uh, you don't see a motorcycle and because we're so small and that also then factors into people misjudge how fast we're going and either they think we're going too fast or we're not going fast enough and we could be going the speed limit, but the perception is off. How do we change that? Like, well, there's really nothing you can do to change other people's perception. All you can really do about that is always be totally aware and focused of what's going on, particularly at intersections. I think intersections are the most dangerous place in the world for a motorcyclist. Um, I've been, you know, my serious accidents have all happened in intersections or close to intersections. It's the place where there's the maximum amount of interaction with other vehicles on the road. So I think statistically your, your probability of being involved in some sort of a collision or scrape or something like that is way up in an intersection. There's just too many variables. And uh, honestly, um, a lot of people aren't paying as much attention as they should at intersections. Uh, I'm also really um, uh, anti cell phone use in cars. And I don't care if you've got it on a speaker or if it's handheld or whatever. Um, the human mind is not made to do six things at one time. If you're driving, for goodness sakes, drive. If you're talking on the phone, go ahead, talk on the phone, but pull over or something. Um, there's just no, um, there's no such thing as multitasking when you're driving uh, or when you're riding for that matter. Yeah, there's just, there's too much going on and too much to think about. One of the things that I learned a long time ago at intersections, because you're right, they are the most dangerous place for us, is I try and make sure that, especially if I'm on one of those two lane roads, that I'm going through the intersection with a, with another vehicle. And that makes that vehicles visible, which means I can pass with them in the other lane. 
seen as they also know I'm in that other lane and are exactly. trying to change into me. Do you have any um, advice or guidance or something that you may have learned from your collisions that we can pass on other than don't trust anyone? Like, was there something, <laughs> was there something you feel you in hindsight might've been able to do different? I would never have taken my eyes off the guy uh, that, that hit me. I mean, um, I trusted that he saw me and I knew he saw me. Uh, I'm not sure what I can tell you, Leanne, other than um, being aware is the most important thing. And it's not just what's in front of you. It's what's behind you. It's what's to each, what is to each side of you. Um, I was, I was rear ended waiting to make a left-hand turn. Uh, I was riding my BMW at the time. I had an old BMW R75 and I had uh, stopped to make a left-hand turn. And I got nailed from behind. The guy must have been going 30 miles an hour when he hit me. And the bike went scooting out from underneath me. I woke, I like looked up looking at the bottom of his engine. That's how ugly that was. And again, you know, off to the, off to the hospital in a stretcher. And, you know, uh, the guy just said, uh, uh, well, in fact, in that case, uh, the guy told the cops that I had uh, gone around him left of the center line, pulled in front of him and slammed on my brakes. And I looked at the cop and I said, really, do I look like I'm suicidal? That is the, those would be the actions of someone who was trying to get themselves killed. And that, that's not me. Uh, eventually what happened was, um, you know, he got charged. I got a new motorcycle and, and, and life went on. Um, the, uh, all I can say to you is that um, being alert and aware, uh, wearing the proper gear. Um, there's all kinds of little tricks. I mean, I always try and have an escape route planned whenever I come to an intersection. I'll look at what I, where I am and what's going on and where the other traffic is. And uh, in the back of my mind, I'm planning my escape route. If uh, a car that's oncoming decides to turn left, I've decided already what I'm going to do. I don't try and put myself in the position where I, I try and make a panic stop because that never works. You have to have an escape route. You have to use the pluses that the motorcycle has. It, it is more maneuverable. It has greater acceleration and it has better stopping, but you can't count on the stopping. However, you can count on the maneuverability and that little bit of extra power. And that, that sometimes can get you out of a scrape really fast. I think that is fantastic advice. And then of course, you know, it's almost with the stories that you're telling, like they, they know you by first name at the hospitals around here, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, for everybody it's different. And I understand that, uh, for you, obviously getting back on the bike was a priority. Um, honestly, it's where I feel normal. Uh, when I was, uh, when I had, uh, this last, uh, serious accident, uh, my bike was in the shop for quite a while and they had to do a lot of work on it. Um, I was in one of those tomato cage casts for about uh, four months. And then on, uh, you know, the robo boot and then the crutches and then the cane. And it was probably about eight months before I was fully mobile again. Uh, I couldn't wait to get on the back, on the back of the bike. I got to tell you, um, as soon as I got on it and fired it up and went around the parking lot a couple of times, uh, I felt totally normal. It was, it was just such a strange, welcoming, familiar experience. I, I felt like I'd been divorced from it forever. And um, it was just so wonderful to be able to get back on the motorcycle and, and continue to ride. And I know a lot of people have been in accidents and they, they get in one accident 
and they decide that motorcycling isn't for them and they quit and they never ride again or one close call even not the case for me it's uh totally embedded in my dna i'm not going away i mean and, my plan is to be riding when i'm 85 years old yeah and, and like i said either either way it's you you do right what's for what's right for you you know and for you it was getting back on the bike for other people it just might be too much and it just i think i i won't know knock on wood um unless i'm in the same scenario but I really, truly feel, Cam, I would be the same as you. I think that is just too far embedded in who I am that if something I've had close calls and mm-hmm. I've had close calls that were 1000% on me and I pull myself over. I have a lot of very strong words for myself <laughs> about smartening up and swearing at myself and then I, I learn my lesson and I get back on and I, and I go. And, and you take that bit of experience and, and pass uh, it I've on. been in, I've been in those situations myself. I'd be lying as a motorcyclist. If I said I hadn't put myself in bad situations by with poor driving. Uh, and I mean, for me, usually it's going too fast. Um, and it, and that's, you know, I mean, let's not even go there, but uh, I have, I have gone in excess of 250 kilometers an hour on the highway. Uh, I got pulled over by the QPP riding through Quebec towards uh, Newfoundland. At the time, I was riding an FJ 1100 Yamaha. It was one of the first ones in uh, Alberta. I got the fourth one in Alberta in 1984, and I decided to go for a ride across the country. And uh, they pulled me over. It was two cops on R75 5 BMWs the very bike I had sitting at home. I had a picture of it in my wallet and they pulled me over going 253 in a 90 zone. And, uh, and of course uh, they were rather upset. And uh, one of them swore at me for a while in French. And I just pointed to my license plate and shrugged my shoulders. I don't know what you're saying. Uh, So we went and had a little conference with his friend. uh, I mean, the other officer. And uh, when they came back, I had the picture of my R75 out and I showed them, Hey, I have one of these bikes at home. And they looked at me and they looked at each other and they said, we're not going to write you a ticket today. We feel you'll be dead before you pay it. So just slow down. And I did slow down. You know, I mean, that's a, that's, I mean, you know, the exuberance of youth, how fast will this thing really go and lay down on the tank and just twist the throttle all the way open. That's a really bad move. Um, suggestion for next time, plan speed racing, Steve environment <laughs> goes fast as you want. But my biggest yeah. takeaway from that is most people carry pictures of their wives or children in their wallet. You've got motorcycles. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Cam, you know, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the the show with us and sharing all of your history in writing. I think that aside from your passion, um, maybe some people have learned some things about wearing gear and being hypersensitive and things like that. And I just appreciate you being the open book that you are and the friend to the AMSS and myself. Well, Leanne, thanks so much for having me on here. I really feel passionately about uh, people taking responsibility for their own actions on the road, not blaming anyone, but taking responsibility for their own actions. And, you know, safety starts with the rider. Uh, You have to know what your role is on the road. And um, 
notwithstanding the exuberance of youth and the trouble that it can sometimes get us into, um, the days of being able to just go out there and give her uh, are long gone. There's far too much traffic in this province. There's far too many drivers in this province. There's far too many vehicles out there. I had the luxury of learning at a time when uh, the population of Calgary was under 300,000. The population of Edmonton was around a quarter of a million. Uh, the roads were far less crowded and um, you could do stupid, silly things and get away with it. Uh, that's not the case anymore. So please, everyone, just be careful. Keep your eyes open. Do your part to be safe. And uh, let's all try and get along out there. And if you want to do dumb things, we've got tracks all over the place for you to do exactly. that on. If that's, your, if that's your jam, go there. Absolutely. Thanks again, Cam. I appreciate your time. And let's get out together for a ride soon. You bet. Thanks, Leanne. All right, let's get into today's mailbag question. Last year, we did two parts on the Bonneville Salt Flats, which, of course, as most of you know, is something dear to my heart. And uh, maybe that will be a mailbag question in the future as to how that all happened. Anyway, the question came from those shows, which was great representation of, you know, the builders, the, the high flyers, the what the event is all about. We missed how you can go spectate. So this question actually came from one of our board members, Bruce Weiss, um, at a board meeting shortly after those episodes aired. He had said, they're great. They're awesome. You forgot to talk about how I, as a person, can go watch this, uh, this event happen. So let me give you the nitty gritty. It's pretty quick. There's four or five events every year that happen at uh, Bonneville, which is next to a little town called Wendover in Utah. It's on the border of Utah, Nevada. It's, the salt is not in Salt Lake City. It is an hour and a half uh, west of there. Sorry, I had to do the never eat soggy worms thing in my brain to figure out which direction I was going. Anyway, starts with Speed Week, middle of August. Two weeks later, Bonneville Motorcycle Speed Trials, which is the event I go to, which is motorcycles only. Then it's World of Speed and uh, World Finals. And then sometimes there's a Matt Cook event. So in those five, four or five events that we have every year, you need to be planning well ahead of time to go and be a spectator because one, you can only stay in Wendover, Utah. That is the closest place to it. And they sell out fast. Every hotel, the bigger the event, the less chance you have of getting a hotel or a campsite. So if you're planning on going, find the dates and get booked in somewhere quickly. For reference, I book our Bonneville trip in February for hotel. So keep that in mind. And we are the last week of August. Now, when you get down there, that's all fine. You don't need to buy tickets in advance for our event. You may want to look into the other ones, but you can show up, pay at the gate. Uh, my suggestions would be same suggestions we tell people if you're going down there to participate as, as a racer. Bring shade. Bring a cooler full of beverages, preferably water. Bring your sunscreen. Bring a hat. 
Uh, bring long pants, long sleeves if you don't have shade. Uh, just be prepared for how hot it is and how much the sun reflects off of the salt. Um, you, you're probably going to want to bring some chairs. So you can drive out onto the salt, park your vehicle where they'll tell you to park, and line yourself up and watch as everything goes by. You are also allowed to walk through the pits and have visits with people and figure out kind of what they're doing and uh, ask some questions. Everybody's pretty open at our event. From what I hear, they're very open at others. So basically, it's the same as planning a vacation. Lots of people have advice up on their websites of what to bring with you. You can always reach back out to me if you are considering going and a reminder of what things to bring with you. But essentially, pack like you're going to the desert of reflection, um, shade, chairs, water. You know, there's not a lot out there for vendors, like nothing. So be prepared for anything, but you'll never get super close to the actual track, but you will be able to see everything. Lots of people have a radio that goes and bring some binoculars. That would be my suggestions. And let me know if you have any others. That is our show today to make sure you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones. Make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest you think would be great on the show, or even a question for our mailbag segment, let us know. You can connect with us through all the socials, email us at info at ab-amss.org or reach out through our website at ab AMSS.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We will see you out on the road.